0: Tableau for breakfast. People of the Pilbara. Hello and welcome to People of the Pilbara. Now this podcast series is all about you, the people of our town that make Caratha such a special place to live. And I think there's something really unique about people that come to a place maybe they've never heard of in the middle of a desert, apparently with nothing to do. But as we know, a lot of us come for a six month to 12 month plan and end up staying a decade. Like I did. <laughs> so throughout this podcast, we're gonna have a chat to everyday people that call Karatha home and find out what they do here, what they love about Karatha, and what's next in their journey. And this week's guest is Sanal. Now Sanal, you may have seen her around town. She started with a pop-up store, Tiger and the Tigress, down at the markets, which is now a pop-up store in the shops. She's got some beautiful clothes and we have a really interesting chat with her about how and why she started the business, her trips to India and the pitfalls of fast fashion. So without further ado, sit back, listen, grab yourself a cup of, and enjoy my chat with Sanal and her journey to call Karatha home. Sanal, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me here.
0: Now, you've been in Karatha since 2011. Yes. Originally from India. That's right. So your story's quite unique, how you ended up in this desert. Yes. In the Pilbara. So, in. how did you get here in 2011?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, Long story short, Gareth and I were traveling in uh, India Mm -hmm. six months before we got here. And we were backpacking for six months and um, had spent some time in an ashram. And just kind of living a monastic life, and we really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, okay, where can we go, where we can make a quick back, and then come <laughs> back to India and do this for like a couple of years and um, And because we'd met in Tennant Creek, we thought, okay, we can go anywhere if we c- If you've lived in Tennant Creek, you can live anywhere. <laughs> so um yeah, so we came back to Australia. And spent a couple of months in Townsville with Mm -hmm. uh, his dad and started applying for jobs. And we applied mostly for Gareth. Uh, And he got the pharmacy job here. And we moved here in 2011, um, got married in 2012, had a child in 2013, no, fourteen. Started a business in 2015 and we're still here. <laughs> yes.
0: So what was your first impression of town? I mean, arriving in Carratha, had you known anything about it before before you turned up?
1: In fact, uh, just the week before we were coming here, Gareth spoke to one of his uh, pharmacy batchmates who had lived here and in Port Hedland. And he was driving across Australia with his boat. Right. And he was like, oh, it's got KFC, it's got Kmart, it's got Target and we're like, and, and McDonald's. And we were like, okay, that's fancy, you know, like, because we, we, yeah, taking Tennant Creek as our... The base. As the base. We were like, okay, that's great. So, mm. Yeah.
0: So what's kept you in town? Because obviously you had a plan coming in like many of us do. We're gonna start I was coming for six months and I've been here eleven years yes. as well. So oh, great. you were coming for a couple of years, you're gonna save up, you're gonna go back to India. Yes. What kept you in town then?
1: Um we really enjoyed the pace of life here. Uh it's unlike um, it's unlike any other regional town in Australia. When you drive around Australia, you see some of them can be quite harsh around mm-hmm. the edges. But this is this represents us really well. It's very cosmopolitan, uh, very international. Um, the pace of life is good. I mean, you work hard, but you have time to rest. And you don't spend half your lifetime in traffic. Mm. In fact, when we first got here, there were no traffic lights. Nice. <laughs> it's amazing. All this, uh, and everybody used to be in high-vis, It's now that you see people all dressed up in civilian clothes. It's amazing how much it's changed. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, life in India, obviously, is a lot more busy than life in Karatha, right? That's correct.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Like, when we go to India, especially when Tara and I spend a couple of months every year, Mm -hmm. and when we come back, Tara's always like, Mama, where is everybody, (laughs) you know? And we used to live right at the edge of town facing the bush, and you can just hear pin-drop silence Mm. and... Yeah, it's like quite a contrast.
0: Absolutely. Uh, now you mentioned your daughter Tara. That uh, helped inspire your business, which is Tara and the Tigress. That's so tell correct. us a little bit about uh, how that came about and, and the clothes and, and the vision behind it.
1: Um. So I, my dad was an aid worker, and so for his whole career, thirty-five years, he worked with CARE International, which is an aid organization, primarily empowering girls. Um, and so he spent five years working in India 20 years in Africa and the last 10 years at the headquarters in Atlanta and I myself come from the northwest of India which is a Thar Thar desert and life there that women face is still like they're two centuries behind Mm. and because I have experienced life all over the world and I can see both sides of the coin um. And also watching my maternal grandmother, who is a widow and illiterate, struggle. It's always, I think, in been within me to just do something for women. Because um, I'm very fortunate with the life I have. And I've always wanted to just, uh, yeah, help. Um. so, yeah. So when, in fact... I never came to Australia to settle down. I was doing, just before I came to Australia, I was in Liberia with MSF. Um, I met sous saint and then I saw too much death in a Mm. very short time. Uh, So I decided to do my master's in international public health because they were all preventable diseases. Uh, Yeah, so, and because I met Gareth here, so life changed drastically, mm. Mm. and so I kind of like promised myself that if I was going to be here, I, I needed to still do something that was more fulfilling, because you can be in a bubble here and not know what's happening mm. in other parts of the world and still you know be so consumed with our problems here. Um, yeah, so when Tara was born, I didn't really want to go back to work with anybody. I just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, spend as much time with her, but also be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've just been, uh, you know, um, being creative for the past, but since 2015? yeah, I started when she was about three and a half months. I was on my mater- maternity leave at home with mom, and yeah, I started looking for tailors and pattern masters, and slowly we've evolved. Yeah, it's been a very slow journey, but it's great. It's been very organic. And initially it was markets, then it was FiNACO, then it was doing pop-up for Christmas for two weeks, then mm. it was for a month. Last year we did it for 10 weeks, uh, and this year I've done it for three months and all by myself. So every year just growing slowly, mm.
0: yeah. Well, you're down there at the shops at the moment. People can pop in and see the the beautiful clothes that you make. So... Was this anything like clothing and design in your background? Because it's obviously a steep learning curve. Like I'd love to design a shirt, but I wouldn't know where to start.
1: Absolutely. Um, Well, I've always really enjoyed, I think it was a cultural thing, but like before the 80s and 90s, um, before, you know, the Western influence came to India, people would still go and buy fabric, and Mm. take it to the tailor and design. And so people are very knowledgeable in the type of fabric and the seasons. And, you know, cottons come out in the summertime and the silks and the woolens come out in the winter. Yeah. um, And here I feel a lot of people, uh, especially the youngsters, don't really have the knowledge. They just see that it looks sheer, so they assume that it's going to be cool. Mm. But it's not the, the type of... Fiber that's being used, because, I mean, uh, synthetics look sheer many times, but they're very heating. Yeah. Yeah, they don't let your skin breathe. And uh, so, actually, Pablo, when I started this, it was mostly just to, you know, train women from uh, marginalized households. Uh, our um, criteria... Well, we don't really adhere to it too much, but uh, it was mostly if they were illiterate, mm-hmm. if they were widows, if they were domestic violence victims uh, from the slums, or even, um, you know, beautiful housewives who wanted to learn a skill and do something for their family. Because in a country like India, you don't have the social systems that you do here. You know, once you are a widow or that's something. Safety net, right? That's right. Yeah. You don't have that. Because traditionally, you know, if you've been married off, you go off to your husband's house and then that's that. You kind of don't really move yourself back to your parents' house. But then you don't know where to go if you don't Mm -hmm. have the skills. Mm -hmm. So you mostly just end up becoming, you know, cleaning people's houses for very little. So, yeah, so then um, I wanted to help the women I also really was very passionate about the arts side of things and uh, preserving the uh, traditional methods of uh, fabric making. So I come from the state of Rajasthan, which uh, is known for block printing. And that's probably one of the most ancient forms of textile printing, where they carve out blocks and they stamp them. Uh It's amazing, and it's such a slow process, and they do like they can only do ten meters at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the different colors is a different block, so the oh. artisan has to go over it again and again, and you can look at the the block printing and see how skilled the artist was because if they can stay within the lines, <laughs> you know, and that's very tricky. Um, Yeah, and it takes them like 30, 40 years to master that art. Yeah, Yeah, so so what I do when I go to India is we go to all these different craft fairs or different communities because India is a country of um, artisans whether it be different methods of fabric making, silk or weavings or even brass or marble or woodwork or mm-hmm. silver or gold. And most of, for example, most of the um, the t- periodic movies you see, like Helen of Troy, yep. all that, all their costumes, their jewelry, their tents, whatever you see in them, is made in India, and Ooh. a lot of it is made in Rajasthan yeah it's it's um yeah, 'cause I kind of wanted to help those guys out, so we um so I go directly to these families and source small quantities mm-hmm. and we just play around and make it it's a very organic way of creating things, you know we go, oh yeah, that print will look good in this mm-hmm. cut, and gradually we've started um. Yeah, and now I have a better understanding of what the Australian women like because yeah. initially it was very tricky Yeah, and, um, yeah, our sizing and the cutting because my pattern master was used to the Indian body shapes, right. right? And then so that's taken us a few goes to figure out, like, women here, like, l- loose shoulders and yeah, stuff. Okay. It's quite the opposite to what women like in India. So, yeah, it was
0: fantastic. Um learning all this and um well, you mentioned the fabric, if I can jump in. You mentioned the fabric uh, and about the difference. Like here, obviously, in, in Karatha, it's super hot, right? And people probably want something that's breathable. That's right. So where are we going wrong? Like what what's the fabric that's probably better to use up here? If the guys are wanting to wear a shirt, what, what kind of fabric should they be wearing?
1: Oh, my goodness. TNT shirts. <laughs> <laughs> um, just really light cotton.
0: Yeah.
1: What um, even... Uh, in fact, I had one of the clients come and say that now these shirts or these dresses are beautiful for up here because even linen seems to be a bit heavy mm. when it gets hot and humid when we go up to like forties yeah uh yeah if you don't want to be wearing that um so our cotton is very light and it washes really well. I've had clients walk into my shop with dresses they bought like six seven years ago, well, yeah. I was like. Wow, I'm like this is probably not a good business model.
0: <laughs> You're making them too good.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, just to see, you know, when they try them on, they're like, "Oh my god, I feel like I'm not wearing anything yeah. because they're so light." So you only have to try it, and because we make small batches in different types, I don't really have the time or the money to get it photographed professionally. Yeah. So I just have to tell my clients, you have to come. And you have to try them on to see because they look very different on the hanger than they do um, on person. And um,
0: yeah, well, I've noticed that with my wife and my daughter. They both wear them. And uh, it's funny, sometimes on the rack, I'm like, that is not going to suit you Mm. at all. Mm. And then Jess will try it on. I'll be like, oh, that actually looks great. And my daughter loves wearing them as well. Yes, absolutely. I've
1: quite a fan following in the younger ones Mm. too. It's really cute. Um, Yes, and somehow I've. I realized I didn't know I had this ability. Um somehow seems innate um that I can watch a person and kind of recommend mm. what will suit them. Mm-hmm. Um because what happens is we human beings are creatures of habit. So we usually tend to go for the same colors or same styles. Well I'm wearing black and this is the, <laughs> the only color
0: I wear. So <laughs> you spot on there.
1: Yeah, um, so um so a lot of women, like, it's nice to kind of um, help them see what other styles suit them, what other colors mm. suit them, what cuts suit their body types. Yep. Because it's not general knowledge and that's okay. But I think probably the main thing I wanted to talk about was... Um, mm. What I have learned through this journey is this whole thing about slow fashion and ethical fashion. Mm. That's not something that I started off thinking that I would do. But it's something that has since, in fact, um, it was in 2014 that there was a a building that collapsed in Bangladesh um, with uh, workers inside. So basically what happens is most of the labels you will see it says made in India mm-hmm. made in Pakistan or made in Bangladesh or made in Vietnam right and it might be Zara or Mango or whoever you know um so these people give the orders the middleman takes the order then the manufacturer right now the manufacturers make their staff work like animals it's literally modern day slavery mm. It's, it's just horrible. You just have to watch a few documentaries to see what it's like. Um, I think one of them, a good one, is the true cost. You see um, any, any product you use, choose, any brand you choose, it's all happening. And I think it's becoming very important for people to realize and question how and where their clothes are being made. And and it's no fault of the consumer because, you know, you, you go to the shops and you see, oh, yeah, this is beautiful. But, I mean, you know, who's ever going to think, oh, I wonder how this was made? Yeah. It's not a normal yeah, yeah. thing you ask yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it's now become like my moral duty to kind of make people aware that this is what's happening, and we can't let it happen. They are our brothers and sisters, you know. I mean, it's just not
0: right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's slavery. Something I've, um, yeah, and I, and I think right. If the price is too low and the price is so cheap, there's probably a reason, right? That's there's a reason right. behind it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine what the worker would have gotten paid? Yeah, exactly. Or if the you're farmer. Five bucks for a t-shirt. That's right. Yeah. Oh, whereas. I know what I do is I trial my fabric for almost an a year. So some of my dresses I wear back-to-back every week, or every fortnight, the same, just to see. And I've probably worn them like 50 times, mm. and they're the same. If They might just fade a bit in color, obviously, because they're natural dyes, yeah. but they get really soft. Literally, I've had... Uh, clients come and say that's not, you know, people would have to grow out of them or get like really sick yeah. of wearing the same thing. But yeah.
0: Now, you mentioned before that you taking taken your daughter uh, back a few times to India. Uh, I have this, it's, it's so funny kids, right? Because they, they're in their total little bubble. And the other night I was talking to my daughter Charlotte about life, you know, growing up and all these things. And she was asking about some things and about the favorite TV shows that we watched. And she's like, What did you watch that on? I was like, What do you mean? She was like, "Oh, did you watch it on Netflix? Did you watch it on, um, yeah, ABC Kids?" I was like, "Oh, there was none of that. Like, we didn't yes. have mobiles, we didn't have tablets, uh, we didn't have stream streaming TVs. Like, obviously, life is so different, uh, and kids obviously only know the world that they're in. That's it must crazy. be a big shock for Tara when she goes back to India, uh, or uh, quite an eye-opening experience, right, for her to see." Wow, there's a total other world to what I'm currently living in. so what what's ever been been her reaction?
1: Oh my God, that's so interesting. you should say that because um just yesterday she said, you know mama, this 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 person, they've never been outside Australia. They don't know there's a huge world out there.
0: Wow I was like, oh my God
1: because I mean she's she's um, ours is a global family, mm. you know, like there are four nationalities just within our family. And then, you know, with my brother and dad, our jobs have been all over. But in answering your question, Tara's been going to India ever since she was two months old. Mm. And every year we went for two years until, I mean, we went in 2020 also before the lockdown. Mm -hmm. And now we're going again in January and February. But what's beautiful is... Obviously, she sees, she's like, oh, mama, why is that dog sitting there? Why is the beggar like this? She watches mm. and she questions and she knows that she's also very fortunate with what all she has because she, when she goes and she plays with all the kids in the building and with the watchman's children and she sees that they have only one room to live in and they all have to share that space and they have only two, three sets of clothes, mm. she's she's. Yeah, she's really aware of uh, what she has and how lucky she is, and you
0: know, yeah, it's, and a great it's life nice experience. to see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, is there something that people may not know about you, Sonal? Is there a talent, a secret, uh, something that people, when they meet you, they wouldn't know? Um, that
1: in my previous life I was a doctor. A doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm watching my dad. I wanted to be a social worker, and. Being a child of Indian parents, you know, what better way than to become a doctor? <laughs> so both my brother and I, we've just ticked the boxes. I became a doctor. He became an engineer, a computer engineer, and now we're both doing what we enjoy doing. In fact, I am doing social work through
0: my work. Mm, just yep. a different
1: way. Yeah. Different way.
0: Uh, now, back to Karatha. If you could change anything about town, is there anything that you change? We gave you <gasps> the power overnight to uh, do anything.
1: Yes, um, you know all the trees that they're planting. Mm-hmm. Can they please be fruiting trees? Fruit
0: <laughs> trees, <laughs> oh nice my idea.
1: Goodness, why not?
0: Plums, if, peaches.
1: Um, yeah, anything that will grow here. You mm. know all the citrus. Yeah, I'm sick of paying a dollar a lemon. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Me too. maybe. Oh, I don't know if avocados will grow here, but you know figs will grow here happily. Um, pomegranate, yeah. That uh, I guess another thing is that. Gareth and I are avid permaculturists. Yeah, we did the course in Jordan and uh-huh. uh, we plan to one day move to India. And I think the day is coming close fast and start a permaculture farm and maybe like a eco travel. And I want to look at uh, taking women, small groups of women to India Ooh. for like a, a textile and a culinary tour. So that's somewhere in there. I'm just putting it out there.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you love most about, about
1: Um The community. Mm. Oh, my God. It's like, you know, family. Yes, just the friends that you make here. They're really deep bonds. Um, uh couldn't survive without them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because we're so isolated and so far away from everybody. Um Yes, and how they all band together when you need help. It's just beautiful to see.
0: And uh, I think you may have answered my question earlier, but uh, what's next?
1: Oh, right. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I still want to move to India. Mm -hmm. In fact, both Gareth and I really are uh, excited about moving to India, perhaps in the next two years, I think. Um, We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> um, Yeah, and to start a uh, permaculture farm with uh, expanding my training program. Now what I've learned over the past two years is uh, we want to train uh, school dropouts.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: daughters uh, who uh, couldn't finish school because I feel it's a good way for them to then have a more secure future. Because even, I mean, there's so much competition in India. Even if you mm-hmm. finish your education and higher education, you, 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 you know.
0: There's a billion other people to compete with. That's right. With. It's a big uh, population.
1: Yes, and there's a yeah. lot of competition. You don't know whether you'll get the job. Mm-hmm. But if you have a skill, then you're sure, sure known that you'll be able to make some money and support your family or support yourself,
0: really. Well, so now it's been great to chat. And uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Absolute pleasure, Pablo. This is really special. Thank you.
0: It's the podcast for Caratha, the Pablo for Breakfast podcast, streaming now on the Listener app.